Joanna and I were talking before we walked over to the hall, and one of us said, you know, was, was it just this morning that we gave you meditation instructions? Because, um, in a sense, so much has happened. It feels like um, almost more than a day in a certain way, and our, our uh, relationship to time actually changes as we, as we become more, more mindful. We, you know, start uh, living in this uh, living present, the immediacy of now, rather than spending so much of our time rehearsing and planning and remembering. So as I, as I just kind of land with you tonight and look around the room, and just, I do have the sense of having been here with you for more than a day. But it's been quite a day. And for those of you who uh, are new to retreat, for whom this is your first retreat, you're almost there. You'll never need to experience the first day of your first retreat. <laughs> Again, it's a, it's a passage in a certain, in a certain way. So I'm going to take just some, some time to share some reflections with you. I'll have time for a little bit more Q&A and a time for a short sit. Um, and mostly, you know, because I, I have such great confidence in this practice, and I really have such deep love of this practice that I really trust the practice, and I, I trust the unfolding for each of you with your own intention to be present and with just showing up and following the schedule. I really trust what happens there. So a lot of what I want to share with you tonight is just to, um, yeah, share with you my own confidence in the practice and my love of the practice and to continue to give you a, a larger framework for why it makes a difference to keep disengaging from super juicy thoughts and come back to the next step, come back to the next in-breath. You know, mindfulness has become just hugely popular. There's like an explosion of mindfulness. So many folks spend a lot of time in the idea of mindfulness, like the idea that a mindful person pays attention to every lick of their ice cream cone and doesn't get angry and um, you know, mindfulness is almost has its own kind of identity now. And you're really in it. You know, I really appreciate that each of you have come here to do the. This is the real deal. This is the practice, not just listening to tapes or reading about books, reading books, but just really coming in here to um, know the gifts of mindfulness and know the grit of mindfulness. For yourselves, I I googled mindfulness last week. Thirty nine million eight hundred thousand links came up. Wow! It wouldn't have been like that that ten years ago. And um, mindfulness, this word mindfulness, it's actually an interesting translation. The the word uh, comes actually from a from a Buddhist word from a Pali word, which is a language that was spoken in um, India a long time ago, 2,600 years ago. It comes from this word sati that's translated most directly uh, to mean remember. Remember, that's why we actually have the remember barn over there 
called the Remember Barn. But um, mindfulness could just as easily be called heartfulness, really heart mindfulness. And uh, one teacher talks about mindfulness as being kindfulness. So you might consider that we're practicing kindfulness. And when you hear the word mindfulness, to let, let the practice really drop into your heart, drop into your belly, because it's a whole person kind of, kind of practice. Joseph Campbell. Some of you know Joseph Campbell. He's a great mythologist and great writer. And I like what he says. He says, people say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. So that we actually feel the rapture, the joy of being alive. So we're, uh, we're unitasking. And who'd have thought that so much could go on in the process of unitasking? You know, we talk about multitasking and being productive and knowing how to do that. But, but what we're doing here is just quite the opposite. Just bringing attention moment by moment by moment. And it's a little bit of a, of a, it's a little bit ironic when you consider that we have always been in the present. We have always been in the present. We're always here. You know, life happens in the present moment. Love lives in the present moment. And so, in a sense, we've always been here, but we imagine that we're not. We imagine through ideas about the past and ideas about the future. So, Really, we're coming back to, we're returning and remembering. We're coming home to something that really each of us already know what this is. We had so many moments today of just presence and wonder. Moments in your life when you're maybe with a loved one or alone on a mountaintop, wherever it is for you, where you just feel that remembrance, that presence right here. And so, the practice, and on this retreat, you know, we're just, we're creating conditions that will support you to make this be your habit, that will support you to have more and more moments of natural awareness, of natural presence. So, in a very real sense, there is nothing to get here. There really isn't. There's, there's nothing to acquire here. You don't leave with anything. One of our teachers and friends, Jack Renfield, talks about it as, as like a, going on a, on a first retreat. We can think that it's like going to be going to the candy store and there's all these goodies and delights and special meditative you know, experiences we're going to come home with. But he says it's often not like going to the candy store. It's like going to the dump. <laughs> and what happens is that um, 
things let go. You know, things let go. And, and really, so it's just a process of, if in a certain sense, putting down, letting be, um, being with what's here, rather than trying to continually be improving our experience. Being with what's here. Awareness. The awareness that lives in each of our hearts has this capacity just to, to touch and to know absolutely anything. You know, within the, within our sense doors. Pretty much anything. And we, we forget, um, this innate capacity that is, um, that is true for each of us. A poem by, by Mary Oliver. You know, I think if Aesitos could have a poet laureate for you, it would be Mary Oliver. She is someone who has really deep understanding and uh, knows the power of wild nature so deeply. And I think she's speaking to us a little bit. Her poem in Blackwater Woods. Look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes, to let it go, to let it go. She's saying, to live in this world, you must be able to do three things. And these are three things that we don't, most of us don't learn in school. To uh, love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes, to let it go. So we're we're practicing this way of being here with our hearts um, in the middle of a life that is essentially unpredictable. Essentially, anything could happen at any time. How do we live in peace and harmony in this world where um, there's such great beauty and there's such deep, deep um, suffering? That's on some level what brings, what, what, what brought you here, I know, on some level. So there's a, there's a way that mindfulness helps us to... Um, to just know a deeper way of, of living. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about the practice mindfulness and just pull out a few of the qualities that, that we've been pointing to in our instructions. And the first is really just a, the way that mindfulness invites us to come face-to-face with our experience. Face-to-face with our experience. To actually meet. You know, we can have the idea of what a breath is like the idea of what a certain bird call is. And it's different when we actually allow, there's just this momentary 
knowing, oh, breathing in is like this, and that might be different than what you thought. Coming to walk is like this, and oh, I, I didn't even know my heart was heavy, and it doesn't even matter why. The why doesn't matter here. Just really coming face to face with, it's like this. Hearing this talk tonight, maybe being tired, maybe being restless, it's okay. As Joanna said this morning, it's okay, it's like this. So coming face to face with experience, really um, touching what's here. When we do this, we are developing this capacity, this capacity to really soften and widen around what we find. You know, it's possible to soften and widen around um, just about anything, really. Around uh, wondering why you're here. Around, do I fit in? Around, I'm bored. It's okay. We, we soften and we widen. And the practice of mindfulness really includes everything. As Joanna said, everything's normal. Nothing's left out. It's very different than meeting life through our interpretations and stories of how it is. You know, this idea, that's this bird call, that's it. But we might not actually ever really know that lived experience that Joseph Campbell was talking about. And it takes just a lot of um, trust, doesn't it? It takes a lot of trust to be willing to turn face to face toward the experience of our hearts and not distract. But the thing is, when we're willing to do this and when we begin to trust this capacity of who we are, um, something begins to let go. We don't have to fear life quite so much because we don't have to organize our experience to look a certain way. We trust the awareness and the mindfulness to be with what's here in a way that is um, that brings peace, really. So uh, we spend a lot of time talking about attention to body and breathing in particular and hearing. And I just want to be really clear that actually in what we're, what we're teaching, we're teaching this mindfulness meditation, uh, breathing isn't that important. Breathing is important because it helps you be alive. But uh, what, we're, what we're really doing is using breathing and using the body to refine this, this quality of mindfulness to refine the presence. We take we take um, kind of one object and simplify the experience so that it can um, refine the mindfulness. It's like if, if we were to polish this bowl and we kept you know, rubbing a cloth over it again and again and again, we would, we would see the bowl more clearly. It's how stones get polished. So we just, um, over and over again, come back, come back. And you probably find in this practice um, kind of commentary. Do some of you have a commentary about how it's going, if you're meditating the right way, not meditating the right way, if um, mm-hmm. if it's a good sitting or a bad sitting? There actually are no good sittings or bad sittings, no good walkings, no bad walkings. It's um, this... Uh, it's probably the, the biggest, um, one of the most difficult things in, in beginning a meditation practice or being on retreat are really our ideas about how, how 
well we are or aren't doing, our ideas about who we are in relationship to the instructions and one another. And I've heard someone speak about this as being like having an inner roommate. And this inner roommate is continually commenting on, you know, hey, you could have done that better. Hey, try a little harder. Hey, I can't believe you didn't get that right. And it's this idea that if we actually lived with a roommate like that, you know, in, in, a, in your home, you'd probably kick that roommate out. <laughs> but that roommate can be part of just how we are, um, the mind's habit. You know, the mind's habit of being critical. So when that happens, just um, settle back. Settle back. No, it's the inner roommate. No, it's the judging mind. And um, keep coming back to breathing and body. The the larger reason, you know, why why we're doing this. The larger reason, mindfulness is practiced to develop wisdom. You know, to develop understanding, to develop the kind of understanding that comes not from a bunch of reading books, but the kind of understanding that's really most trustworthy, right? The kind of understanding that comes from your own direct experience. It comes from attention to your experience. And this is important. This is important because Joanne and I really don't want to spoon-feed you. We don't want you to just take what we're saying as being, oh yeah, it's like this. We want to support you in really looking at your own experience. Is it true for you that things change? Is it true for you that um, there's more of a joy in being alive when you're connected to presence and embodiment? As educators, you may appreciate this story um, mindfulness is so valuable not only for us but for um, for the people and the children with whom you work and this is a wonderful woman named Leslie Grant who runs um, some sort of mindfulness and education program in the Bay Area and she shares a story about a four-year-old who had impulse control issues and uh, one day um he and a three-year-old were busy. They were making a puppet show together, and the younger kids started knocking things down. And the older boy, the older boy who was four, said, "You know, about, he was saying this with regard to the three-year-old kid." He said, um, "As the kid was knocking things down, he said, I want to hit him. I shouldn't hit him.'" And Leslie Grant says, "Yeah, that's right." And the boy says, "My anger fish is here." And she said, oh, well, what's, what's your anger fish like? And he says, the anger fish wants to drink up all the water. And she says, which to me was a child having insight about what anger does in the mind. When we're angry, the anger wants to take up the clarity of our mind. She says, this is how the child was saying that in the child's way, saying it in a picture. And so she says to him, yeah, but can he drink up the whole ocean? And the child said, no. I'm bigger than the anger fish. And suddenly he had this experience that his mind, that his awareness was bigger than his anger. And um, a four-year-old, a 
four-year-old having this experience that the awareness is bigger than the anger. So, so um, in this practice of coming back to breath and body, we're refining. We are we are practicing this moment-to-moment kind of mindfulness that helps us be connected to awareness, because awareness is actually always bigger than the content of what's happening in any given moment. We, we just lose touch with it. We just uh, forget it. This is really good practice for me because Joanna and I decided to give 20-minute talks at this retreat instead of hour-long talks. I'm really used to giving hour-long talks, but I don't like giving hour-long talks. They're too long. So I'm just um, sensing what I'm going to say for these last few minutes. It's important. It's important to be connected with why you really came to sit this retreat. To just let yourself remember why you're here, because you're not actually here because you found it on the website. There's there's a reason that led you to look for the retreat on the website. Yeah, but to just let you, and, and to just take a moment actually now, if you would, and just keep your eyes open, if you could stay sitting how you are, but just let yourself know in your heart what brought you here. It has anything to do with your own happiness? your own curiosity, your own goodness in wanting to serve. And um, it's, impo- it's important to stay connected to what really brought you here because, you know, on, on some level... Um, we all we all want to know the wisdom of our own hearts. You know, we all want to know the the nature and, and the truth that we are. And this human experience, no matter how privileged your life is, you know, and all of our lives actually have a fair measure of privilege to be able to be sitting here in this room. It's pretty remarkable when you think about all the conditions that have come together to let us spend time in this way. It's pretty remarkable. And um, no matter how privileged our lives are, as human beings, we, 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 know, we know suffering. We know the places where life is hard. You know, we know how it is to be feeling like there's some measure of disquiet or some measure of irritation. And whether it's an ongoing thing in your life or situational, this is just part of the human experience. And as um, as mindfulness really deepens and as understanding grows, it's um, it's really possible to dance in a new way with our with our lives, um, to dance in a new way with our lives, and to keep softening and widening as the moments um, as the moments of life unfold. I'll just end with one more one more piece. It's just a few words. It's a. It's 
kind of like, it's a poem, but it's kind of like a prayer. Not a religious prayer, but a prayer. This is by a really incredible being. Um, Zenju Earth Emanuel is, is her name. Because it just offers a, a larger a larger view in terms of why, why we're practicing. We practice for our own happiness, but we also really practice for the benefit, the benefit of all beings, the people you work with and beyond. And this is her wish for all beings. And uh, it certainly expresses my wish for all beings, including for you. She, she says, May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience, be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious, be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings be appreciated, feel welcomed anywhere on this planet, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes, live on the planet housed and protected from harm, be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity. Enjoy life living without fear of one another. Be able to speak speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life. Be given time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. We'll just take a moment, a few moments of of quiet together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.